Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Therapy Matters Podcast, your one-stop resource for expert insights and advice on everything therapy and rehab. I'm your host, Allison Jones, and today I'm joined by Scott Owens, the founder and owner of Blue Tenuity. Scott, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Allison. I'm excited for our discussion. Ah, me too. So Scott, to help set the stage for today's conversation, just take a few minutes to give our audience some background on who you are and um, uh, tell us a little bit about Blue Tenuity. Happy to do that. I am um, a management consultant who first and foremost is passionate about helping organizations understand their risks um, and helping them plan and prepare for what they hope never happens. Um, I have certifications in information security and privacy through ISACA, uh, business continuity with the Disaster Recovery Institute, and I'm also a certified project manager through the Project Management Institute, and all of those have uh, helped me and with, uh, with a really good understanding of business and then how to uh, help organizations. My company, uh, Blue Tenuity, really focuses on um, assessing information and security privacy risks. Um, and this includes uh, things like regulatory compliance, technology environments, physical security, people-related risks, and so on. Um, and I've got about 30 years of experience doing these types of assessments using a variety of security frameworks. Uh, HIPAA is the one that everyone's heard of, of course. CMS, um, NIST uh, cybersecurity framework is another uh, very popular security framework, and others. Um, and I do dozens of security risk assessments on an annual basis. Excellent. Well, thank you for that background. So as you mentioned, your team assists organizations to become better at understanding risk and protecting their data and their assets. And that's what we are going to discuss today. And specifically, what we're going to dig into a little bit deeper is security risk assessments, or SRAs. So a little bit of background to sort of set the stage for today. So last November, CMS published the calendar year 2024 physician fee schedule final rule. Uh, it's a 1,200-page document that spells out the future of regulatory compliance for clinicians who accept Medicare payments. It covers a number of areas, but notably, uh, in this ruling, the upcoming MIPS performance year will bring many important changes for the PTOT and SLP community. So providers are going to now be required to participate in the promoting interoperability category of MIPS. And this is something that has, uh, for the past few years, has been automatically related. So it's a big change. And under the promoting interoperability category, there are a number of sub-requirements sub for it um, to meet the attestation. So uh, a few of them are uh, you have to have a minimum reporting period of 180 days, you need to be on a certified EHR, and you are required to complete a security risk assessment. And since this can uh, be a newer process for some of our listeners, we want to dive in and learn what a SRA is, why it's important, how it's done, how it can help your organization, and everything in between. Okay, sound good? Absolutely. All right. Okay, so let's, let's dive in. So first question for you, what is a security risk assessment? So that's a great question. Um, a security risk assessment is uh, really a structured approach <clears throat> to evaluate the level of maturity of an organization's information security program. 
Typically, it's measured against a recognized security framework. Uh, earlier, I mentioned the HIPAA security rule, the NIST cybersecurity framework, uh, ISO uh, 27001. Um, CMS has an acceptable risk safeguards that include security and privacy, and there are many others. Um, but it's important that you use that as a baseline. Um, in addition to uh, a gap analysis against one of those security frameworks to make sure that from a compliance standpoint, you're on target or you're following best practice, is that um, you specifically want to make sure that you identify and rank the unique risks to the organization. So as an example, um, one risk that many organizations should be looking at is um, what would happen to us if we suffered a ransomware attack um, and trying to understand, you know, are we really at risk? What's the likelihood um, and what would be the impact of that happening? So it's really two pieces of a, a puzzle here that are, are important. So you mentioned ransomware attacks. How, how frequently do those happen in healthcare? Quite often. Uh, in, in fact, um, you know, I subscribe to a number of newsletters uh, where I receive uh, that information on all the latest data breaches. And you don't always know about them. Um, they're not always public knowledge um, uh, unless it's a data breach that involves patient information, in which case the HHS um, uh, OCR, the, the division of uh, the Office for Civil Rights, which has the authority to oversee HIPAA, uh, we'll eventually find out about this because you're required to report a data breach of that nature. And if you have a ransomware event, um, you know, typically the way those work is all of your data is encrypted and the bad guys ask for a ransom uh, to, you know, a, a very large sum of money to get there for you to get your data back. Um, they typically know um, how much you can afford to spend either by understanding what your cyber insurance looks like or whether they have a, uh, an idea of your cash position. Um, and so as an organization, really understanding what that risk looks like and then knowing also what you're going to do, you know, when you encounter that. How often did those happen? Um, you know, some statistics would say that um, uh, one in two organizations in the course of a year uh, have some sort of security or continuity incident. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean ransomware, um, but it does mean that organizations are at risk for some sort of event that causes widespread outage um, or concern. Uh, so the, the risk is high. It's, it's probably the single greatest thing that organizations are focused on right now in protecting their data and their assets. And healthcare in particular is a um, one of the leaders in terms of ransomware attacks, correct? It is. It's um, it, it's frightening, and it's that that's backed up by um, there's a, a survey that's done every year by IBM and an organization called the Ponymon Institute, and they survey somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,500 organizations all across the world to better understand data breaches. Um, and, you know, they will, through, through the, um, uh, the analysis and all the interviews that they do, and there's literally thousands of different interviews, um, the data that comes back and identifies a number of um, uh, key facets. And one of them is that the average cost of a data breach in healthcare in the United States is almost $11 million. Um, healthcare is almost 50% higher than any other industry in terms of the cost. 
Um, and other and the United States is more expensive than any other country in uh, in the world. And there's a number of reasons that probably go into uh, those factors, but just based on the the sheer cost alone would give you some indication of what that looks like. So it's important to have a, a security risk assessment and understand your vulnerabilities and and how to protect against this. It it absolutely is. I, I think you know an organization is not in a position to be able to mitigate. Um, or plan for some of these if they haven't done a risk assessment and they really don't know what they're dealing with. Um, every organization is is totally unique, and you might say, you know, everyone is vulnerable to to ransomware, and I would say that's true. But some organizations have gone to great lengths to reduce their risk. You know, for instance, they might install anti-ransomware software. Um, or do extensive training for users because more often than not, ransomware gets started when uh, someone in your organization clicks on something in an email that they shouldn't. And so there are things that, that can be done. Um, there are good practices that should be in place, but really it all starts with the risk assessment because you you don't know where to go or where to start unless you have a baseline. Walk me through how a security risk assessment is completed. Sure. And, and this is the, what I'll share is the methodology that, <clears throat> that we use at Blue Tenuity for um, a, a security risk assessment. And, and I would say this is a, a tried and true approach um, that has served us well. We've been in business for uh, almost 13 years. And um, so there's, there's a number of pieces to this puzzle. Um, the first one is that we always want to take a look at documentation that an organization has. So we'll send a document request list, um, and there could be as many as 100 documents that we'd love to take a look at. And that includes policies, procedures, <clears throat> um, org charts, um, um, really any documentation, technical uh, in nature, that gives us some insight to how well the organization manages its security and privacy. Um, and so those will um, will be shared up front so we get a chance to really understand the business. And then we facilitate a series of interviews, um, and, and that will include various leaders in the organization um, in major disciplines. You know, mostly it's, it's security and technology, but there are a number of um, question lines that also pertain to uh, controls in human resources, physical security, and so there are some other disciplines that are involved. Um, we walk through the respective security framework that, you know, that we agree on is going to be important. And this framework may require, um, for instance, that we evaluate your password policy. And we'll discuss the specifics of your password policy. What does your written documentation say? How have you implemented it across all of your systems? Is that consistent? You know, if you're an organization that's large and you've got, you know, for instance, I, I have a hospital client that might have close to 400 systems that are in use across their system. And their password requirements are not the same all the way across, and that could be a, a, an area of risk. Um, and we'll compare what you've done to good practice and the standards that have been outlined. Um, and then I'll offer some coaching, you know, through the what the expectations are. And, you know, if you came back to me and said, well, we only have a, a four-character password on our electronic medical record system. Um, I would say, you know, in 1996, that's probably perfect. Mm -hmm. It's better than most. Uh, but today, that would be woefully inadequate. 
And so, you know, we would talk about what what's good for today and some of the things that you would, you know, really need to implement and how to bridge that gap. As we get into these interviews, we'll look at topics like uh, security roles and responsibilities, policies and procedure implementation, um, risk management strategies, um, vendor risk management. Here's one that really has become uh, important over the last few years is you may have a well-organized security program and a very mature program, but if you're sharing data with vendors and they have access to some of your systems, do you know that their security is equivalent mm-hmm. to yours or at least meets your requirements? Right. We'll look at... Um, Asset management, access controls, training, awareness, um, instant response, you know, the, the very long list of, of topics that we'll get into. Um, all the while, you know, conforming to the, the cybersecurity standard that we have been talking through and trying to understand all of your assets, you know, um, systems, software, technology, laptops, tablets, phones, any device that um, is in use. Um, we've got to understand what that is, where it is, who owns it, and is it secure? Because with, particularly with a work-at-home remote workforce, a lot of organizations have moved to, what you've done, in effect, and a lot of people won't like to hear this, it's you've extended your corporate network into people's homes. If you have a device that's on someone's uh, personal Wi-Fi with your cable company or whoever, um, using a router that you bought at a garage sale, and we have no idea how secure that is, that, that's a risk. And so organizations really need to understand what that looks like and, and then maybe think about how to, um, you know, how to remediate some of that. Um, as we go through, you know, another thing that's a major part of this is taking a look at individual risk items. So at Blue Tenuity, we've got a risk management register tool, and it's a spreadsheet model um, that, that looks at uh, over 125 common risks. As an organization, you may bring a list of risks. Maybe you have a matrix like this, and that would be fantastic. Um, but we want to cover a lot of different areas across um, technology, physical facilities, people, business risks, and put it into a scoring system so that you can understand and prioritize what your risks are. Um, I use a model that calculates likelihood and impact um, and a a factor that I call velocity, which is how quickly the risk reaches its maximum effect. And we multiply those and you ultimately end up with a weight or a rating. Um, And you can categorize, is this a high, medium, low, or a critical risk, something of that nature. Um, And then as, as you do that, um, what you start to find out is that you become uncomfortable maybe with some of the scoring. Like, for instance, we talked about ransomware, and if your ransomware scores say this is a critical risk and you've really not attended to it, no one's had any dis- discussions internally at a leadership level about how are we going to better prepare ourselves for ransomware, um, then that's a question that needs to be asked. Right. You know, are you ready to accept that risk? Um, because now you know that this is bad news. Um, and so you, you process through, you know, is it okay if our antivirus software doesn't work? And, you know, on and on and on, um, ultimately to, uh, to get to a point where people can sleep at night. Because if you have 100 risks on here 
and you can't accept the risk because you look at it and you say, gosh, this is really too high. This is scary for me. Um, then the organization learned a lot and, and it's time to get a team together to start working through some of these. Um, another thing that, that may be included, sometimes uh, an SRA will include a technology-focused uh, assessment, uh, a vulnerability scan, you know, where um, we take a look at are there vulnerabilities or missing patches on devices right. and bring some information back um, you know, that, that's sort of an optional thing. Or a penetration test is another component. Typically, that's an external consultant who um, is, is hired to um, attempt to break into your system, yeah. in effect, and then give you a report back. So, and all of those, you know, all this information that we pull ultimately goes into a deliverable report. Um, we'll have some conversations after about, you know, what the next steps are. And, um, so that's kind of a deep dive into what a risk assessment, uh, you know, very comprehensive risk assessment looks like. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for that. So there's like a couple things that I wanted to pull out of that. Um, it's not just that I think are important to understand. It's not just about the technology piece of it, that, you know, a security risk assessment, you mentioned, you know, uh, physical facility people, like it includes all of those aspects of it. And that's an important part to uh, understand too, because your your people can be just as big of a risk as your technology. When we're talking about, you know, phishing, for example, phishing is a is a Absolutely. really easy way to break into people's systems by just sending an email um, out to somebody that looks like it's from somebody within your facility, but it's it's spoofed, and you know, suddenly bad actors are into your system. Exactly right. So, so, so doing that type of testing or, um, even the facility, I, I know that, you know, having worked for, uh, EHR and EMR companies, uh, you know, where we have access to PHI facility, um, uh, security is really important. The, just the, the idea of piggybacking, uh, when you have badging into facility and not letting people piggybacking piggyback. is huge. Yeah. Piggybacking. And for those of that, you that may not understand what piggybacking is, is when you badge into a facility, people that try to come in with you without badging themselves in. That's that's called piggybacking. It absolutely is a security risk. And, you know, if you don't know who uh, that friendly person is who's following you into the office, yeah. um, you need to know uh, right. because th that there's always risk there if you if you don't understand. Um, so. Or it could even be a friendly person that you do know, but that person does not have access to that part of the building and shouldn't be in right. there. Um, so it's it, it, there. Yeah, there's lots of different levels um, that you need to understand. So, so you know, building on that, what are some of the benefits of having a security risk assessment? Well, I think most importantly is what I was mentioning in the, in the last uh, question is. You, you essentially can't manage risk to the organization and your systems and your data um, unless you take the time to understand and assess it. And once you understand your risk, you can develop long-range strategies um, to improve your maturity and reduce and, and manage risk. Um, the SRA basically gives you a, a baseline measurement. It, it's and, and you may find that there's some low-hanging fruit. You know, we can... Um, implement a policy in, in two hours and we can solve a problem. And sometimes it's more complicated. Sometimes you've got to invest, you know, some significant dollars to, to get you there. Um, but the scary part is if you don't know that you have vulnerabilities, 
Um, you know, if you have, uh, for instance, a laptop that's not checking in to get its antivirus updates, um, there's a vulnerability there that, that you know, you need to make sure that you manage well. Um, other things that are, are benefits or reasons to do this, um, the SRA is usually a requirement to obtain favorable rates or any rate for cybersecurity insurance. And most organizations um, have cybersecurity insurance. You know, the amount you cover depends on the size of the organization, the complexity, the data, and, and a number of things. But what I do know in helping organizations negotiate some of these contracts is that um, your level of security maturity matters when it comes to the dollars that you spend, and, and not just in premiums, but also your deductible. So it, that's an important piece. Um, there's all obviously a compliance component in healthcare. Um, this is a requirement of HIPAA, um, straight up. Whether you're a uh, covered entity or whether you're a business associate, um, you are required to complete one of these on an annual basis. Now, it HIPAA does not lay out exactly what that uh, the, the the format or the structure or the requirements. So you have a little bit of flexibility to to go to you know structured however you see fit, um, as long as it complies with good practice. You know, if you ask two questions and you, and you had two sentences and you turn that into the OCR and say, here's my risk assessment, they're going to laugh you out of town um, after they fine you, perhaps. But, <laughs> um, so you, you have to do a reasonable um, job on that. And those would probably be the major things that I would look at. You know, I... I always encourage organizations, do the right thing. Don't be driven purely by compliance. Compliance is important, but you can be fully compliant with HIPAA and still have uh, a frightening security incident because there was a hole in your security. You know, HIPAA was architected and signed into legislation um, almost 30 years ago. And when that was put into place, uh, a lot of the things that we take for granted today, um, no one had even thought about. Wi-Fi didn't exist. Um, smartphones didn't mm -hmm. exist. Bluetooth didn't exist. You know, all of the ransomware, the list goes on. And so it, it's important to recognize that th the world changes. Um, and in order to stay ahead of the game with your risk assessment, you've, you really have to understand what's current in, in today's risk and threat models. Absolutely. So what you described in terms of what a security risk assessment is, it's, it's, very, it's very deep, it's very complex. So how much work or how much time is it for an organization to go through a security risk assessment process? Yeah, I think it, it depends on the approach that you take. If you're going to undertake this um, by yourself um, on an internal basis, um, you probably could expect to, to spend upwards of 60 to 80 person hours um, combined and doing a really comprehensive review, uh, talking to all the people that, that are involved, um, reviewing documentation. Um, I, I guess perhaps less if you, if you didn't put together a final report like a consultant typically does, but um, it's a fairly significant exercise. If you hire someone to assist, um, what you end up with is, you know, the, the time to gather documents on the front end, interviews, which could be anywhere from 6 to 12 hours worth of time, depending on the security framework, um, and then some follow-up later. So, you know, one of the benefits you get by hiring a consultant is probably less internal time, 
uh, in addition to the expertise. Um, but, you know, e- either way, and HIPAA does not um, require that you have to hire outside, um, but you may find great value in, in doing so. Um, I guess the, the, uh, the most important takeaway here is this is not just a, a team meeting on a Friday afternoon to, to walk through a checklist. You know, the, the risk register exercise that I mentioned earlier um, might be a half day uh, with your team in and of itself. And I mean, if if you're going to go deep enough to give you the kind of data that I think you'll need to make some smart decisions at the end. Yeah, it's not going to be a checkbox exercise. You're just going to do yourself a disservice by approaching it that way. Absolutely. Okay, so how often should you be doing security risk assessments? Well, the best practice, and I think everyone uh, in the security uh, world would would share this viewpoint, best practice is an annual risk assessment, something um, comprehensive like this. Um, HIPAA and, and some of these other frameworks, they don't come right out, you know, in, in the, the language and say, thou shalt do one every year, every 12 months. But really, you know, if you think about all the changes to the organization that are made in the course of a year, new servers, new software, um, every time you make a change like that, it changes your risk quotient. So I, it, it really is important to take a look at this annually. And there may even be some risks that need attention more frequently. You know, when we talked earlier about the ransomware, um, if you identify that ransomware is a critical risk to the organization, um, it's probably a good idea that you're spending, you know, maybe that's a quarterly review to, to circle back and say, are we still comfortable? Have we done anything? Have we done all we can do? Um, you know, whereas low risk items like, um, you know, what's the risk of, of the Internet uh, taking us down? If you've got uh, redundant connections with different Internet carriers, you might say, well, based on the controls that I've put into place, the risk is very low. So we don't need to talk about this for another 12 months. And even in the 12 months, we don't need really need to talk about it. If, if things have changed, we can keep the score to where it is and, and move on. So I think... Um, I think it's good practice that an organization is in maybe a quarterly rhythm, but not everything reviews at that level. You know, the, the big one happens annually and more important things, you know, are brought to the table uh, more frequent. Excellent. So, Scott, you've you've conducted hundreds of um, security risk assessments. What is the biggest mistake you you see organizations make when um, going through the process? I think probably the um, the biggest mistake is maybe not during the process, but right after the process, um, and not taking information security uh, seriously. And you know, I, I've worked with organizations that um, have reached out and said, "I've got a, an audit coming, or a compliance deadline, or one of my clients has said I have to do this," and we started having a conversation, and they have nothing. They have no policies, no procedures, no controls. They don't understand password management. I mean, the list goes on. And in a case like that, you wonder sometimes how they haven't already been a victim of some serious uh, incident. Um, And it's going to take a long time to get to a point where you're in a a good position. Um, You know, as I mentioned earlier, organizations regularly are uh, victims of cyber attacks, um, and, and some of them very serious. And, 
you know, to to not take these these things seriously is a big mistake. Um, I would also probably say that um, the the one of the single greatest vulnerabilities to an organization is people in general. Um, now, that's people is not a specific risk, and you, you wouldn't be scoring the word people in, in your exercise. But if you put phishing attacks. Um, social engineering, which is any sort of, you know, trying to get someone to give information that they have that shouldn't be given to the person on the phone or the other end of the email or text, um, and stolen or compromised credentials. If you put those attack vectors into one bucket, that accounts for about 40% of all security incidents um, from 2023, according to that IBM Ponymon survey that I mentioned. Um, that's a significant amount that you can attribute just to one classification. Um, and the interesting thing is those are all areas where awareness and training can have a very strong positive impact. So if an organization hasn't gone through a security risk assessment and they don't know what their, their training needs are um, and they haven't been able to connect the risks uh, that they've talked about to the training, um, they may not take the time to educate users as they should, and they leave a big opportunity on the table. Um, you know, I think right now, and, and the, this changes over time. You know, if you would ask me the same question five years ago, um, I may not have said the greatest vulnerability is is people, but the uh, the sophistication and complexity of some of the attacks. Mm. Um, that I see with people is remarkable. And, and the way they can trick people into giving up their credentials and their multi-factor authentication mm -hmm. codes um, and take over accounts um, and then move from a user account to an administrative uh, level of privilege in, in, uh, in the network, uh, it's amazing. Um, you know, I, I've unfortunately been in positions where I can watch this in real time uh, as working with some of my clients and um, the speed and the targeted nature, um, the way these guys cover their tracks, uh, it's it's really um, remarkable. It, this is not um, some teenager in a garage hacking his way into your network. These are crime syndicates in, in countries that don't like the United States. Um, coming after healthcare data, and so you know, training individuals, uh, training your users is is really important. And like I said, um, if an organization doesn't understand what their needs are or some of these risks through the risk assessment, um, you know, they're missing out on an opportunity to really affect their their maturity. It's a little bit scary. Well, it's not a little bit scary. It's very scary. The sophistication of um, you know, the phishing attacks that you see, I, you know, we get, we get it quite frequently. And, and I, I mean, they're really, really good. It's looks so genuine when it comes in that, you know, sometimes you just have to take a step back and go, Ooh, that, you know, that looks real. It, it looks it, very real. So it's easy to see how people are tricked into providing the information. Yeah, the bad guys do a, a really good job of of making their um, their phishing attacks seem realistic, and they they use you know tactics such as urgency, yeah, um, and making a message look like it came from someone important in the organization, mm -hmm. and deflecting to say um, this is 
this is so-and-so, the CEO. Uh, I'm just about to get on a plane, yeah. so you can't reach me. Don't bother to text. But if you could wire $20,000 right. um, into this account, we have a new vendor, um, everything would be wonderful. Right. And and so now the, the CFO is left with, well, I don't want to disappoint my boss, but at the same time, I, this is not a, a usual request. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're... Um, they're very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's scary. Um, okay, so any final thoughts that you want to leave the audience with today? So I, I would love to share with um, uh, with your listeners, uh, Allison, that uh, a mature information security program really starts with a security risk assessment. Um, you've got to measure um, and put yourself in a position where you can you can pull pieces out. Uh, sometimes it may take. A while, maybe it's a year to fully implement all the improvements that are needed. Uh, but really, you know, in, in healthcare particularly, but other industries too, um, protecting your data and your assets is one of the single most important things a company can do, and it's a, it's a cornerstone of continual improvement um, to have that security risk assessment, which gives you the baseline. Um, and and that, that is all the data that you really need to get started on improving your program. Um, and I, I just can't stress it enough. It's, it is one of my passions, I would say, but it I think with good reason. Um, you, you can't start uh, to manage your program well unless you know where you're beginning. Scott, if people want to uh, learn more about Blue Tenuity, how can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. Um, I would invite them to go to my website, bluetenuity.com, and that's spelled B-L-U-T-I-N-U-I-T-Y.com. And there's a contact page. You can um, you can fill that out, and it'll send me an email and, and uh, provide your contact information. My website also contains... Um, uh, pages that describe not just the security risk assessment, but some of the other services that Blue Tenuity can uh, can assist organizations with. So that'd be a, a great way to reach out to us, and we would look forward to understanding um, your organization and, uh, and and helping in any way we can. We are out of time for today, but I want to thank you so much for joining us. This has been a wonderful discussion, so much great information for our audience to take in. Um, It's, you know, security can be a scary topic, but uh, there are things that we can do to make sure that we are uh, making our organization safer. And you have uh, given us a lot of great things to consider today. So thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, and thank you to our audience for tuning into the Therapy Matters podcast, your one-stop resource for expert insights and advice on everything therapy and rehab. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Therapy Matters. Do you like the podcast? Give us a five-star rating, subscribe, and tell all your friends about the show. Want to be a guest or know someone that would be a great guest speaker? Contact me at allison.jones at raintreeinc.com. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N dot Jones at RaintreeInc.com. Therapy Matters is brought to you by Raintree, therapy and rehab's favorite EMR. Raintree is the only all-in-one therapy EMR delivering a complete and seamless end-to-end patient journey from first contact to payment to patient retention. To learn more about Raintree, visit us online at RaintreeInc.com.